0: Good evening, folks. This is Mike Dolce, creator of The Sire and host of Secrets of The Sire podcast. I uh, want to thank everyone who joins us on a regular basis. This week, we're actually off. Well, yes and no. We won't be doing our live show, which we do every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc and streaming live on facebook.com slash secrets of the Sire. Instead. We're doing this. It's a Deadpool 2 Primer podcast featuring the co-creator of Deadpool, Fabian Nisieza. We've had Fabian on several times on the show, and he has dropped so much Deadpool nuggets of knowledge that we thought it would be really cool if we package it all together and get you geared up for what could be, after Infinity War, the movie of the summer right before Solo. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as Fabian dishes on Josh Brolin's Cable, potential plot lines for Deadpool 2, and the super secret origin of Deadpool you never knew. Enjoy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Deja vu. It's it's like the weirdest (laughs) feeling right now, because we are back again. Now, this is our normal time, but we actually started an hour earlier. Uh, yes, we, we cycled through all of our music. <laughs> yeah, we did. We're, gonna, we're not <laughs> cycled. We're right not going to be original with our with has our... gone sweepers. Yeah. All. yeah, yeah, All right, we're secrets of the sire. We need to write we, some we new talk... music. That's what that means. Oh, I got some other stuff. <laughs> uh, we talk comics, movies, TV, pop culture every Wednesday night, eight p.m. Eastern. Yeah, so thank Wednesday you for everyone joining minutes. us who are normal no would normally join us on this uh, yes. night. But we are have a special. Everybody night. else
1: who's wondering who just joined us now, we started at seven,
0: and we've been drinking since then. Too. Yeah, we have.
1: And uh, we're we're doing two hours because this is our
0: one hundredth episode spectacular. You can't see it up there, but so it's not actually my one hundred. actually, right there. But
1: this is this is Mike Dolce's one hundred show. That's
0: actually true. That's a good point. Yeah.
1: So get out that, of my studio. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm I'm living. <laughs> There's too many uh, <laughs> Last Jedi lovers here for So me. we
0: are talking Last Jedi. We've had some amazing guests. We had Priya, which was a surprise, surprise guest, who is another uh, radio host on talkradio.nyc, which, where true. you can stream us.
1: Which was awesome. Um, Thank
0: you. Which was Thank really you. awesome for her to call in. Uh, we had Derek Becker from Comic Pros and Cons, who is another awesome guy, and I've been on his show. He's got an amazing uh, podcast. Go download it. We had Mr. Pat Shan uh once again yeah. siding with us yes. against sam which yeah. i don't he know why he keeps doing that but he yeah. did it's it just is what it is
1: sam will get it together
0: um, one day. you know so <laughs> we want to thank all of our guests and now we have our last surprise mystery guest surprise our su- surprise? <laughs> surprise Our surprise mystery guest, and we saved the best for last P- probably here's mr fabian nicieza co-creator of deadpool how you doing sir
2: I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Congratulations, Mike, on your 100th show, and Hassan on your 83rd, I think it is. Boom. Wow. <laughs> yes. He it. it listens more than I just... it's my... <laughs> all you need to do. It's Mike. All you need to do is like just club Mike before a few shows, and you'll catch up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can go down with injury very easily. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm very brittle.
2: You've got, to, you've got to be put on injured reserve. Right.
1: Hamstring.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm a brittle,
2: brittle well, guy. If he doesn't stop talking, he's gonna be like he's gonna get a tongue sprain or something.
0: (laughs) No, no, that. No comment. uh, There's so many dirty jokes that just ran through my mind. Oh boy! But this is a family show. It's It's, not. No, it's not. Uh, (laughs) The Manson,
2: the Manson Manson family Family show. Show. (laughs)
0: So, Fabian, uh, before we get into Last Jedi, you had one of the most memorable turns as as our guest on the show. Uh, for anybody who hasn't caught up, go to, I think it's episode 53 or 54, I think it's 53. I
1: think it's like my third episode. It was too. your third episode. Yeah. We
0: asked you one question, and you took up the entire interview time answering that one question. <laughs> Which is <was> awesome. How <laughs> does that feel to be the most memorable guest we've had?
2: It, it's, it's, you're... You're lucky that you didn't ask me two questions in that wouldn't <laughs> have four
0: days off there. That would have been our first ever two hour show. <laughs> <laughs> We've been like Sam, uh, I, and I, an I hour, hour literally, been, we're on the air. We are we not turning Fabian
1: off. We're not turning him
0: off. We literally would have been packing up and Fabian just would have been talking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the entire time. No, off. How are you doing today?
2: You can ask him <laughs> for six hours. It's
0: no problem. <laughs> so, um, I'm gonna ask you some Deadpool stuff after this, but I wanna know what's your take on Last Jedi?
2: Um well, I, I am an, an avowed and admitted um non fan of the movie franchise. Okay. Um I, I have not seen a, a what I would consider a good Star Wars movie since about nineteen 80, 81. eighty eighty, eighty one. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. The, the the franchise lost me as a devout follower. Uh, The second Boba Fett got swallowed by a giant sand vagina at the beginning of Return of the Jedi.
0: Um, Best best bottomless pit, by the way. Best
2: bottomless pit. And then from that point on, from the moment of the sand vagina, um, (laughs) they they lost me as an acolyte. And I loved Star Wars. I saw it in the theater when I was like 15 years old, and I loved Empire Strikes Back. Um, but, but that was not, that, that, that was, was hard thing. on a lot of I've people. I've seen every single movie in the theater, so it's not like I don't, I don't follow the feet, the movie franchise. I don't pay attention to the TV shows and all that. Um, but, but I, I feel almost every single movie has been a, a, a C or lower for me. Okay. Since Return of the Jedi. Um, to that effect, I gave, the grade I gave, uh, the, the, the last one was a C plus. Oh. So the last hour of the movie really entertained me and sure. that got, that got me the, that got the plus out of me. Um, I, I thought, I thought that was, I, from the moment, are we allowed to give spoilers? If we're yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we've been drinking, everything. so just spoil away from the, from the moment that, that Ray and Kylo came together in the movie physically, as opposed to, you know, sure. The BS mumbo jumbo, force fine ever. Um, once that happened, I thought the movie really picked up steam and, and was enjoyable. I will I will be honest, and I felt to tell you, and I fell asleep twice in the first 90 minutes of that movie. Yeah, it's a long, I don't
0: um, disagree and, with and that. It's
2: not because I'm an old man, and it's not because I, I, I hadn't slept the night before. It it also happened to me during *Force Awakens*. (laughs) Um, There's clearly something about the way these movies are paced and structured and presented to me that are not appealing to me. And that's not even counting the, you know, the second Lucas trilogy, which, you know, it is what it is. Um, These these new movies just don't work for me for a wide variety of reasons. The franchise doesn't work for me uh, for a wide variety of reasons. All that being said, I, I really enjoyed the last hour. It it became fun and interesting in a way that the first ninety minutes of the movie weren't for me. We
0: had a we had a guest on one time um who actually wrote like a thesis about Star Wars comparing it to like the millennial generation. I felt like this was one of the most Millennial movies in terms of if you if you fit that definition, right?
1: Someone someone actually made a a comment about that, pointed out that that especially even at the end, the fact that Luke used an avatar, he didn't actually kill himself. (laughs) That that was very millennial, you know? Like he didn't even he didn't even show up to the to his (laughs) own event, to his own party, you know. Just FaceTimed it in. (laughs) Yeah, he did, he phoned it in. He totally phoned that last fight in.
0: But but uh, you know you, Fabian, you make a great point though, right? There is a certain pacing to this movie that did not feel like a Star Wars movie. I don't I don't fault it for doing that, but it's very noticeable, right? Um,
2: I don't know. I, I, I got it. Mike. I don't know if it didn't feel like a Star Wars movie to me. I, I my problem is I probably thought it felt too much like a Star Wars movie.
1: <laughs> ah, okay. Um,
2: what, what, one of my one of my big problems I have with the franchise is that. that every there's so much that's not explained there's so much that's left open to interpretation um and and that's not just for character motivation or anything like that I, i'm talking basic spatial geography right you, you you have no idea where anything is in relation to each other how long it takes to get there the, mm-hmm. the movie spent two and a half hours of one ship chasing yeah. another ship and in the meantime, someone was able to leave one of those ships, yep, go to that. another planet, have an adventure, come all the way back. <laughs> yeah, to Stampede. Somebody was able to leave, uh, you know, a beautiful, beautiful island in Ireland, <laughs> and yeah. fly all the way back to to those chasing ships. It it's it, it's it's nonsensical to me. I, I'm I watch it and I just I get bored because it, it, it feels... It feels like it feels like there's no sense of control over what they're presenting you, and they're just asking you to buy it. Not not the least of which is the Force. If you, I don't know, if you just watch the movies alone, it, 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 try to explain what the hell the Force is to me. I, I'm sure that it was explained at some point in that middle trilogy that Lucas did, but I haven't it's seen the any of movies again since I originally so watched them, so my brain is fried about it. Uh, I'm not the best guy to talk about Star Wars details. <laughs> I'm just, a, I'm just a guy to talk to who'll complain about whatever the current. Movie is. <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take, we'll, take, we'll take a complaint. So
0: let's switch gears for a split second here, and we're going to have you back on again in June uh, when the movie comes out. But uh, you are you are uh, besides Rob Liefeld, the definitive Deadpool expert, having co-created the character. Uh, what did you feel when you when you heard Josh Brolin was going to be uh, assuming the role of Cable? Uh, that was one of your babies. That was actually my favorite series that you wrote was the original cable, uh, series with John Romita jr. Uh, so what Thank is it, you. what's it, um, well, what's it I, like
2: I, as the person who has written cable more than anyone else on the planet has, mm-hmm. um, I, I'll keep, I'll keep using that tagline while it's still relevant. <laughs> um, I, uh, I milk I, it I, baby.
0: I, Just like Luke milked I was that very alien
2: pleasantly surprised. Um, he was not on my radar for the part. Um, but I also didn't have many people on my radar for the part because I think it's a very, very difficult role to cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think he's I think he's a really good actor and, and has been in, in a lot of roles. But but I think that I think he'll bring the the required um, gravitas, the re, the required amount of of weariness um, and 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 toughness to the role. Um, I am curious to see what they do. I haven't seen a script. I, I, the last time I talked to any of the guys who were involved in the production was, you know, way, way back, um, way back after the first movie came out. Um, you know, we had a whole bunch of back and forth as they were trying to break. They were planning to start breaking down the second movie back then. And we had a whole bunch of back and forth conversations. And then that was it. They go off and they write their movie. I never asked to see the script. Um, and, and so I haven't seen it, so I don't know how they're handling the character. Um, I'd be very, very curious having invested as much into the character as I have um i I'm very interested to see if they're able to tap into what I perceive of as cable strength and i'm 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 expecting they will because they're good at what they do, and they did such a great job with the first movie that mm-hmm. that I'm hoping that that they get it. I'm hoping that they understand you know the strengths of the dynamic.
0: It's interesting you say that though, right? I mean, because cable. As a character is so ingrained in the X Men lore, but the X Men movies kind of have their own timeline, their own continuity now. Um, what what version of Cable do you think we're going to see? You know, I, I mean, it's, he's not going to be ingrained. I, I
2: honestly, I, I look if if it were me doing it, and sure. they asked me my thoughts and recommendations, and I gave it, I gave it to them. How they handle it, I don't know. But if it were me doing it, we would see. The, roughly the cable that we saw in the miniseries i did with um with with jr with john romita jr because it's a cable who has not been here that long uh, is more of a mercenary and not a a mutant soldier you know for peace or blah 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 Mm -hmm. um not a leader of a bunch of kids he's going to turn into a fighting force i I think that's where they're going to go i think that Part of the aspects of this entire movie, which is one of the challenges of the sequel to begin with, is that they're setting up an X Force franchise. Oh. If they're going to set up an X Force franchise, then they have to uh, they have to lay lay the seeds, sow the seeds, and, and and the foundation for young mutants that he is going to lead. Right, and and that means that you not only have to introduce the character, you also have to you have to plan and set up his next status quo. Okay. Um, so 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 I think that if they take if they take elements of that JR. miniseries I did, and they take elements of the relationship approach that I tried to take in the Cable and Deadpool monthly book, then I think they're golden. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how can how can they screw that up? Just do what
2: I did. Just follow me. They'll be fine.
0: Well, now Disney owns them, so you never know. Fabian, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on our hundredth episode. Thank I really you, appreciate Fabian. it. My it was a pleasure, last minute, a last minute I was I was phone just call.
2: Being on the 137th show? Yes. (laughs) Hopefully, the 213th show. Okay. That'll be the
0: 138th episode spectacular. (laughs) Fabian Nisieza, co creator Deadpool, (laughs) thank you again so much. All right. When we come back. Welcome back. Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Uh, we're also streaming live on, on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Welcome SW Prequels. We love SW Prequels on Periscope at Michael underscore Dolce. And uh, our next guest is, uh, I mean, he's been doing comics for God knows how long. And uh, he's pretty much, I don't know, he co-created that, that you know, indie film guy, uh, called Deadpool. So, I want to welcome That's Fabian Nicieza to the show.
2: Hello, gentlemen. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Now, you actually are very familiar with uh, both myself and Hassan, actually. Um, Hassan goes back to the Valiant days, correct?
2: Intimately familiar with both of you.
0: <laughs> That's the way we like to... <laughs> Listen to how happy he sounds about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you've pretty much you've written over a thousand comics, uh, from Superman to Spider-Man, Buffy to Barbie... Uh, you pretty much worked on everything. You co-created Deadpool for Marvel. Uh, is there anything that you haven't worked on yet that you want to sink your teeth into
2: in comic books? Yeah, um, yeah there's always been a lot of a lot of house characters uh, for Marvel or DC that I still would have liked to have had a shot at. Um, I don't have that many regrets, luckily, uh, and and I don't lament the ones that exist that much, but. Um, I would love to have had a shot at, at writing Captain America monthly. I would love to have had a shot at writing at least a one-year arc on a, a Doctor Strange monthly book. Wow. Um, back in the early 90s, I pitched to try to get the, uh, the monthly Doctor Strange book, um, and I and I didn't get it um, because I was frankly terrified of what I pitched, <laughs> um, which was, no, wasn't a big deal. It was just the second coming of Christ and Doctor Strange having to stop it because <laughs> the, the spiritual promotion of the planet happened then that was going to give the dark gods an entry to take over the planet so he basically had to stop the coming of christ and what it amounted to um and and apparently that scared him off a little bit uh, but it was <laughs> a really know. really good story i wish i would have had a chance to tell it well, um liberal and, Marvel and, and now there's would characters at dc that, that um I, I would like to have had a shot to do more of i, I got to work on um that the. Uh, the Trinity weekly book and I did all the backups in that when Kurt Busick was doing the main uh, section and, and I got to write a gajillion d- characters in that um, but, but I would love to have had a, a chance at like a Hawkman or an Adam type of thing. I, I, got, I got to write Nightwing a little bit and he's my favorite character in, in comics since I was five, uh, five six years old uh Dick Grayson Robin was my favorite character um and I got to write the monthly Robin and Red Robin book uh, so I, I got to write Tim Drake um, so yeah no
0: not not that much in that So regard. you haven't accomplished you know, I, anything I still do in more comics.
2: stuff um but but i um, I'm honestly just too damn lazy
0: <laughs> so you, you've accomplished nothing is what you're saying and that's you know
2: there's nothing there's <laughs> yeah nothing you know wrong. what I, I i do have a gut feeling that i did too much too soon and that kind of tired me out faster than it should have so so i started to gravitate away from comics 15 years ago uh because i, I had burnt myself out a little bit on them uh post val post the claim um so i started to look for other things to do uh and that took me to a lot of work outside of comics
0: Cool. That's actually a great segue, too, uh, and we love segues on the show. Um, what was it like creating comics in the early 90s during the hysteria?
2: Um, it, it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's the best way I could put it. No, no, no. Um, no. We want dirt it, it dirt. really it, it, it honestly was the best of times, the worst of times. Uh, I mean, there were tremendous positives to all of that um not just the the work environment was great for the most part at marvel we we had a great time we, we we really all cared about each other a lot we worked together very well at a certain point where people were working all the different departments were working pretty well together that was like 89 88 89 to about 93 or so uh, things started to fall downhill after uh, the company got bought by Perlman and they mm-hmm. started to raise their expectations of what the company had to do to perform to, to, to the standards to which they could steal money from the company and pocket it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that started to create undue pressures, which started to, to create risks, uh, in, in within the company. Um, but, but working on the comics was pretty exciting. Um, but, but, I was doing so much, and it was under such stressful conditions that I wasn't able to enjoy it enough at the time, and I certainly don't enjoy it in hindsight because I don't think that the work that I, uh, a lot of the work that I was involved in with, was as good as it could have been or should have been. Um, so, so that's why I say best of times, worst of times, because I'm, I'm, I'm writing uh, you know a lot of the top selling books i'm cashing big checks i'm i've got giant lines at conventions for autographs that's all fun i'm doing pizza hut videos with stan lee everything yeah. everything's hunky-dory fun but uh, you know the work itself is something that that um that i wasn't proud of at the time for the most part uh, not every title but certainly the x titles and that that always makes it hard in hindsight to look back at it.
0: So I have two questions for you. One is, how did you get your first break? I'm I'm curious. I mean, you said you were piling on so much at once. Um, so that's my first question, and it leads right into my second question. How come you never got a Levi's commercial?
2: <laughs> All right, the Levi's commercial. Let me do let me do the work. No, no, the, the, the first, the former first. Um, the. My first big break wasn't necessarily a big break per se, because I was already working on staff in the company. I was the company's advertising manager. Okay. So I was doing all the promo, house ads, promo posters for the direct market, uh, for, you know uh, direct sales flyers, all that kind of stuff. That was my job, so I was very very engaged and involved with editorial. Um, and I got right I got to sell my first story that saw print because the schedules on the New Universe titles were such a disaster area that they were desperate for um, for work. So I got to sell an inventory story that way. Mm-hmm. And I got assigned Cyforce as a monthly book by Shooter right before he collapsed the line, and about uh, less than a year before he got fired. Um, so so it, it, it's like I didn't even feel like I earned that, because it was just given to me, mm-hmm. and I was forced on an editor. So that was a little uncomfortable. Um I didn't really feel like I earned my way into Marvel until I got New Warriors. When I got New Warriors, that's when I felt, finally, I'd I'd worked my way to get that title. I did a whole bunch of uh, short inventory stories and and eight-page stuff for Marvel Comics Presents, which which was uh, collecting inventory well in advance of its publication, Uh, annual backups. I did all of that for like two years after Cyforce Force got canceled. Um, So when I got New Warriors, number one, uh, a mainstream superhero title in the Marvel Universe that I get to kick off with a a, a new issue, a a number one issue, that's when I finally felt that that I'd I'd made, I'd earned my way into the the company as a writer. I was already well-installed in the company as the advertising manager. I was actually very responsible for a lot of stuff that was going on uh, within the company from a promotional and sales standpoint. That's great. As far as the Levi's commercial is concerned. uh,
0: (laughs) That's what I want to know. This
2: is just so big. That's what we really want to know. My penis is so big that it couldn't (laughs) be contained by a button fly gene. So they had no choice but to go with other people for those commercials. And that's the truth, and I'm sticking with that story no matter what. (laughs) No matter what my wife
0: says. (laughs) So you're working with Rob Liefeld, uh, you know, working on uh, New Mutants, and then eventually it obviously turns into X-Force. Life to me is like, is like the band green day. Like, got a, they got a lot of flack when they first came out for, for, like, not being technically, like, you know, they can't play their instruments and this and that. But then, like, you, you kind of look back and you're like, no, 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 they do something really special, right? But when you were writing for Lifeville, did you ever look at his artwork and just be like, you know, what is this guy doing? Where are these shoulder pads coming from? Why are these muscles Yeah, so
2: well, the, that, that yes, yes and no, though. Um, yes, and that there was lots of things that he was doing uh, as the schedule crept up on him mm-hmm. and as he was trying to juggle a little too much namely trying to start trying to ferment and start a brand new comic company yeah. while he was working on a monthly comic uh, yeah. for Marvel. That he was supposed to be writing and, and <laughs> plotting and penciling and inking. Um, and 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 rob rob likes to likes to juggle a lot rob's very enthusiastic about stuff so he he actually he sometimes he he jumps at the bright light too quickly and he forgets that the light that he's currently working on still needs to be maintained you know yeah uh, and, and, and yes, some of the art was rushed and a lot of that was deadlines, but I also know that he draws very, very well when he wants to, when he sure. has the time mm-hmm. and, and, and when he has the, the enthusiasm and energy. And, and so there were instances where you could see stuff that wasn't, wasn't coming through as good as I knew he was able to do, sure. but I also understood why that was happening. I knew, I knew all the other stuff that he was, he was doing and percolating. So, Look, well, he only drew the book for not even a full year. I mean, yeah. we we had an, we had a guest art shop by Mike Mignola, and then mm-hmm. we had uh, Mark Casella working off of real rough layouts from Rob. So it, it wasn't that it wasn't that that long of a period of time when you really think about it. It was, it was less than a year of working together on the actual art. And and I was working a lot. I was scripting a lot off of layouts because he, he'd just right. do the layouts. I'd script off that, and then he'd be fleshing out the layouts and finishing the inks at his studio w- with himself and, and his assistants. So I generally never even saw the the finished art and my script until the the vellum balloon placements were placed on the original art boards when they came in sure. for a final proofread. So it wasn't even like... It wasn't the same kind of a process as working on New Warriors was, which I did the plot. Mark Bagley gave you the uh-huh. pencils. The pencils were completely finished and crisp and clear. And, and he handed in pages one through 22 in order, you know? So, so that was a very different kind of a, a working experience, but, but all, all comics, all monthly sure. comics are different working experiences. This just happened to be the way it was, it was being done on X-Force.
0: So, talking about X-Force, obviously, int- New Mutants Introduced, Deadpool. Um, I read this recently, um, you know, doing my, doing my barely any research for the show. Uh, as it stands, he's an homage to the character Deathstroke. Um, as the often quote goes, you do the death stroke in the Death in the Deadpool, to the point where even writer Fabian Nicieza acknowledged it. He wrote to Liefeld, "This is Deathstroke from Teen Titans." He even named the character Wade Wilson as an acknowledgement. Is that is that the is that the give us the origin? I don't know of where that, you're read. reading that
2: from. I don't know where you're reading that from, but that's a bastardization of <laughs> anything I've ever said or the real truth. Okay. Um, it, it, the character was never created to be an homage of Deathstroke. Okay. He was never created to be a parody of Deathstroke. Take that, uh, movie blonde. An homage is a purposeful tip of the hat to the, the to, to an, a pre-existing character, and, and a parody is a purposeful uh, comedic slant on an existing character.
0: Ah, okay. It,
2: the The character was designed to be a combination of Spider-Man and Punisher. Rob wanted a, a thin character who could bounce around cable and fight in a different way and had big guns and knives and swords. <laughs> now, there, there is definitely a, a, a touch of George Perez's costume design at work when it came uh-huh. to the, some of the harness belts and pouches and, and, and katana blades. And that's not just from Deathstroke, though. That's <laughs> also from Taskmaster. Okay. A lot of people uh, yeah. seem to mm-hmm. want to forget because they love to bash Rob and they love to belittle the the Deadpool creation creative process. A lot of people seem to forget that if you hold up Taskmaster and and Death and Deathstroke next to each other, you'll see a lot of similarities in some of the mm-hmm. touches there too. And those characters were designed one year apart by George Perez himself. Okay, <laughs> so Rob was definitely channeling a love of george perez when he was when he was doing aspects of that character design um but and that's what i was joking with him about sure and i named and it wasn't writing it down I, I this was over the phone and i named him wade wilson as a civilian identity as nothing more than an in-joke between me and rob for me having joked about about the George Perez costume and pouches stuff. I never said anything about that publicly for 15 years, okay? I guarantee you, not a single letter we ever got at Marvel, and we used to get thousands of letters for that book, not a single letter ever said, you ripped off Deathstroke because his name is Wade Wilson. I, I, 99% of the people didn't even realize it. And I'm not, and I'm not kidding, and, I'm not, and I'm, not, I'm not bullshitting. That's just the absolute truth. Until I said it in an interview years later uh. that I named him Wade Wilson as an in-joke between me and Rob because of the the George Perez death stroke love. Okay, so the response I have, and now it's got, now I get angry about it <laughs> because it perpetuates on the on the internet as a falsehood, and then people read snippets of, of, of misappropriated wait, information. Wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. Are you telling me that the things on the Internet is not true? That's not,
2: yes. That's, I am telling you that some of the things on the Internet may not be true. I told um, you, Fabian. It, had to other than ideas. the size of Donald Trump's inauguration audience, <laughs> yes. not everything on the Internet is true. But. but but the, the thing that the, the thing that um, now you lo- made me lose my train of thought. I was I just getting it. my dander going. Um, the,
0: it's time for commercial. The,
2: <laughs> the thing that bothers me the most of all is people who say he was created to be a parody of Deathstroke and and my response to that is pretty simple although 9 times out of 10 when i say it to somebody they look at me with a blank face because they don't even know the details of deathstroke as a character so how could they even claim it's a parody of deathstroke sure. but that's besides the point sure. they want to they want to look at its at surface value my response to you if you guys know anything about comics which you supposed to because you're doing this show. Okay. My my <laughs> We have no credentials
0: is, here. I don't understand what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> Does Deadpool have a butler named Spearmint? And what is your answer to that?
0: Does Deadpool have a butler named Spearmint? Yeah. No. Song goes no.
2: Does Deathstroke have a butler named Wintergreen? Yes. Yes, he does. If Deadpool was a parody of Deathstroke, (laughs) in my poor lack of skill fashion back in 1991, he would have had a butler named Spearman, wouldn't he? (laughs) Does Deadpool have a son who is blind and can't smell, can't hear, and can't touch? The answer is no, he does not. If he had been a parody of Deathstroke, he would have had a son who couldn't hear, smell, (laughs) or see, or touch, because Deathstroke had a son who couldn't talk, who was mute, okay? so Which, actually, in hindsight, I wish I'd done that, because that would have been really funny. (laughs) So, in my mind, at 30 years old, with the lack of experience I had as a writer... A parody of a character would have come across like Mad Magazine. It would have been overt and and purposeful. And nothing about the Deadpool character has anything to do with Deathstroke's character. Not even the healing ability that people throw out at me. I was like, Are you kidding me? That Rob was just copying Wolverine's healing factor because Rob thought that was cool and he thought that it would help. It would help. Deadpool's cred, right? I'm the one who didn't want to call it a healing factor because I thought it was stupid that every character under the sun was starting to have healing factors. So all I did is is BS techno babble, and I called it cellular re- perpetual cellular regeneration. That's what he has, and that actually led to me getting to the point of why did he go to the Weapon X program to try to to, to, to try to help himself, which resulted in him being this way. And the reason for that is because of the cancer. That shirt doesn't have cancer. My mother-in-law had cancer. Oh. That's why Deadpool had cancer. We're not, we're so, not laughing for the so mother-in-law had cancer he went part. So that's to try to save his life, and that's what ended up turning Boo into it. a monster, and that's what ended up making his brain crazy. His brain is crazy because the brain cells are constantly in flux because of the perpetual cellular regeneration it just doesn't sound as good as a healing factor. It doesn't trip <laughs> off the tongue as easily. So I get my dander up because I'm sick and tired of answering the same questions again and again and again. It's been 25 plus years and it's, it's all in print. It's on paper. You can actually read the comics and make a determination for yourself. Whether you think a character is actually a parody of another character
0: We've got a fired-up Fabian Nicieza yeah. here, which I'm kind of proud of that we, <laughs> that we got you fired up. Uh, but, you know, un-
2: oh, unfortunately... <laughs> me, you know me too well. Like, you can ask anybody at work. It doesn't take too much to fire me up. <laughs> I got but, uh, yelled at on Tuesday because I was told I'd go bananas over the littlest thing. <laughs> and I said, that wasn't even me going bananas. <laughs> which till I did Dolce Show on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs>
0: Well, you you definitely delivered in that question, but now you know we've actually run out of time, and I can't get to my Tiger Beat question, which is my uh, which is the Dream X-Men lineup question. So we're gonna have to have you back on at some point, and we're gonna have to we're gonna to do that. And we didn't even get into celebrity Mad Libs. I was gonna do celebrity Mad Libs with you. I was very I'm very I'm deeply upset now.
2: Yeah, but what you got was way better than Celebrity mad libs.
0: well, we don't know actually. So either you got it, you got it
2: you either got to book me for more time because you got to plan for me rambling, or you got to <laughs> not ask me questions that make me ramble. <laughs> I will, I will hint at my nuts appearance, though. Any any t- Tiger Beat X Men lineup has to begin with Bobby Sherman. Okay, okay, we'll go from there.
0: All right, Fabian. That is Fabian He's a co-creator of Deadpool. Uh, he also has a, has his name up on a street sign in the movie, which had to be pretty cool for you, right?
2: Uh, yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. <laughs> I'm glad they did
0: that. Uh, a, percentage awesome.
2: of the gross would have, a percentage of the gross would have been even nicer, but it's okay that they did that.
0: I'm the I'll take a street sign. All right, Fabian, we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show. Uh, it's been awesome, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, uh, you know, because I'm sure that Deadpool guy is going to be around uh, a little longer, Maybe. so I'm sure we'll have you I hope
2: again. at least another 10 to 20 years, yeah.
0: <laughs> Fabian Nesieza, everybody, when we come back, uh, we'll pick it up from there somehow.
2: <laughs> Take care, guys. Bye-bye. You're listening to the talking.